The strategies and concepts discussed are for educational purposes only and do not represent specific investment tax or state planning advice. Investing carries an inherent element of risk and is possible to lose principal and interest when investing in securities. No strategy can guarantee a profit or prevent a loss. The views expressed represent the personal opinions of the presenter or featured guests, not necessarily those of USA Financial or its affiliated subsidiaries. Any opinions or forecasting statements are subject to change at any time and without notice. John Cindia is an investment advisor representative of and advisory services are offered through USA Financial Securities Corporation, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. LifeStages Advisory is not affiliated with USA Financial Securities. LifeStages Advisory, Dean or Remington, or any guest we have are not affiliated with USA Financial Securities. Welcome to episode 98 of WTF, Wealth Tax and Finance. I'm your host, John Cindia, certified public accountant and personal financial specialist. I've got Dean and Remington in with me today. Hey, guys. Hey, hello. Uh-oh. Big fancy camera in new location. Yeah, he doesn't have a <laughs> GoPro. He's got some big TV uh, camera You should watch on, yeah. watch on YouTube. I probably look better than both of you guys. No, you don't. It's going to take more than a camera to make you look okay. Make you look well, gooder than normal. Yeah, we don't have a makeup team yet. That's right. We don't? <laughs> oh, yet. I did mine at home. We're good. Jeez. Oh, Are we done now with our makeup? We're uh, done. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, tell your friends and make sure that uh, you check us out on Spotify, iHeart. Jeez, um, it's been a couple days. Let's see, Apple and Amazon. And make sure you subscribe on YouTube. And we yes, we still have that uh, number 100 episode. Remember, we, we want to get your cards, letters, emails, probably emails only. Oh, yeah. LifeStagesAdvisory.com. And what's the that email three again? Life, oh, Jay Cindia at LifeStagesAdvisory.com. One day. more time. One more time. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> no, that's, that was two weeks ago. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Because this is coming after the first of the year. Anyway. Uh, Jay Cindia, LifeStagesAdvisory.com, and we need three things. The first thing is, if you have not heard, yes, if you have not heard of a subject that is important to you, let us know what that is. Let us know what the most important subject you have heard is, and I really want to know what is it that you get out of this, and why do you keep listening? We want you to, oh, yeah. and we want you to have your friends do it. So make sure you tell them, and... Is that, <laughs> I hope that's not all going on. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're going to do a lot of editing after these cameras are done. That's for sure. Um, anyhow, uh, today we're going to talk about the 10 most searched financial items by U.S. investors. Are you guys interested? You guys? Oh, I am. Yeah. Edge of my <laughs> seat. Just, I figured that. They're just trying to figure out how to screw me over. Uh, not necessarily. The they're just trying to confuse you with the facts. How's that? Just the facts. Gotcha. Just Same the facts. thing, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> You're trying to confuse me with the facts. Yeah. The first one we're going to start with, and yes, I'm still using my paper. Oh, man. From these guys. <laughs> Hold, it together, can, yeah. Hold it together, Dean. Hold it together, Dean. Jeez. They're there shaking. <clears throat> EPS. Everybody hears about EPS. Do you know what that is? It stands for earnings per share, and why should you care? Because whenever they try to measure profitability and everything from a company, they take the net income. Is It's just a simple formula. And most of these are formulas of some type or another, and we'll go through those for you. 
It's just net income divided by outstanding shares of stock. And that's your earnings per share. So if they earn $10 million and they have 10,000 shares of stock, what is that real quick? Uh, the EPS then would be 100 or whatever it said. I don't know, 1,000. I don't have my calculator. Anyway, uh, yeah, but you would just take math. Okay. Yeah. So if you had $10 million of net income, that's after all their expenses and everything, they come up with $10 million and they have 10,000 shares of stock outstanding, then that would be their earnings per share. So you'll see a lot of uh, uh, right before earnings season, they'll say, oh, what their EPS was, it was 5.7 or it was 10.9 or whatever. And, um, the earnings per share or the EPS that's usually on the S&P, yeah, they'll give you a range of maybe 12 to 18 or whatever, just for an average of that. You'll have some that are down to two. You have other ones that are up into like 50s and more. So what you need to do is just see what the industry is for that particular sector and make sure that, uh, you know, it's just one of the components you want to look at is uh, earnings per share. Make sense? Okay. Number nine, we're going to go in uh, increasing orders. That was number 10. Number nine is P&L. Pasta and lasagna. Pasta and lasagna. Eh, wrong answer. Uh, I think REM's close. <coughs> no. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be one of those recordings. Okay. No, it's profit and loss. So your profit and loss is basically the income statement. And what that means is you take in all of your income minus your expenses and whatever is left is your net worth. And if you look at it, it's, it's your equity or net worth or what's, what's left there. But a P&L is just basically your profit and loss statement. Mm. And they've got other financial statements like your balance sheet, but you know that's not one of them that's in here. That would be your assets minus your liabilities equal equity or your net worth. But uh, the profit and loss is actually your income minus your expenses. So if a company has $100,000 of income, 90000 of expenses, their net income would be $10,000. And then if they had 1,000 shares of stock, ooh, and we'll go back to EPS. Okay. So we had that 10000 and they had 1,000 shares of stock, their earnings per share would be 10. How's that for Whoa. combining those two? The knowledge is getting Pretty blown out the scary. room. Pretty right scary. You see the smoke coming out my other ear? It's coming yeah. out mine. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have my headphones on tight enough. <laughs> uh, number eight, you hear everybody and you hear Kramer, EBITDA. E-B-I-D-T-A. E-B-D-I-T-A. They always say EBITDA. It's earnings before interest, mm -hmm. depreciation, taxes, and amortization. I was just about to say that. What the hell does that mean, right? So it's um, it's not quite your profit loss, like income minus expenses, which is everything. This is sort of uh, from an operations, almost an operating uh, income. So it's earnings minus expenses, but, but, but it's before they take a deduction for interest for loans, depreciation, for uh, equipment and um, vehicles or whatever you have, or amortization. And the amortization could be from, uh, they may have made a purchase of another company and it's goodwill. Or it could be uh, amortizing some bonds or something like that that they have uh, from an investment. 
and it also does not take into consideration the taxes. So um, it, it gives you more of a pure income situation because depreciation and amortization are non-cash expenses because you, you buy a piece of equipment for $100,000 and you depreciate it over a period of time. That's an asset and you take an expenditure through depreciation. You could take accelerated, which we're not going to get into, and depreciate the whole $100,000, okay? And if that, if you do that, then, you know, you're going to write that whole piece of equipment off. You may still owe money on it in a loan over the next five years, but if you take all that expense in one year, it's going to drop your income, but for the next few years, you're not going to have any depreciation to take against that. So they, what they try to do is estimate the value of whatever that equipment is and take the uh, what the wear and tear is that over the same period of time usually doesn't match up because you play yeah. around with taxes and everything and you know you have um, immediate write-offs and then you got to blow through that so you always have a reconciling difference between your book income and your tax income it's never the same gotcha. usually isn't so anyway that's what EBITDA is uh, APR you hear this all the time anytime you get a loan they're going to talk about your APR it's I your, trying to think. Um, it's your annual percentage rate. Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> and how does that differ? Your APR differs from your interest rate. And what it does is you'll have a APR. You might go into uh, get a mortgage and say uh, your interest rate is 3%, but your APR is 3.8. It's like, well, why is my APR higher than my interest rate? Well, it's because what they do, they have uh, points that you might pay to buy that uh, loan down. They might have other junk fees that are in there um, from a mortgage standpoint that other fees that are just put in uh, with the rates and everything. It's whatever the maintenance fees and the other expenses that are added into that, how they affect that. And they increase that, um, they increase your interest rate for that to calculate the APR, mm. okay? So you're always gonna have an APR that's gonna be higher than that unless there's no cost, which I can't imagine that's gonna ever happen, so. <laughs> Good luck. So yeah, so you're always gonna have, your APR is always gonna be higher than your um, actual interest rate because there's gonna be some type of expenses or maintenance fees in that. Uh, BPS, um, it stands for basis points, but you might say BIPs, B-I-P-S, or whatever, um, but it's basis points. And one basis point is one one-hundredth of a percent. So 100 basis points is 1%. So if somebody says, hey, it's 10 basis points, it's one-tenth of 1%. Is this to be like more specific about a percentage? Uh, yeah, but they'll turn around and say, well, um, how many basis points are, are am I being charged on that? Um, you might have, uh, let's see, say on mutual funds, they'll say uh, it's 0.85 is the expense ratio. So it's 85 basis points. So it's going to cost you 85 one hundredths of a percent. Okay. Um, and they, they refer to it in, in uh, BIPs or basis points because it's always a fraction of 1%. Okay, uh, they'll say 250 bips or whatever. Um, it's 2.5 percent. 
if it's 15 bips, it's 15 one hundredths of a percent. Okay. My interest rate on my car <clears throat> is 2,200 bips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You either have a lousy credit score. Hey, I went to, I went or... to one of the, um, <laughs> Loan sharks, the uh, oh, payday great. loans. Yeah. After I listen, after I listen to that episode through, that's went, his takeaway. Yep. <laughs> I need to go get me a payday loan. Oh man, yeah. My calculator don't go up that high on them bips. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, we ain't doing that one. So that's what bips are. Then uh, number five, AUM. A um. Uh, <laughs> oh no, that's not it. <laughs> AUM. That's assets under management. So if you have somebody that says, uh, yeah, I, uh, I have uh, AUM of uh, $35 million. Well, that's how much they have under management. So they've mm -hmm. got uh, assets, investable assets of somebody that they are managing is $35 bucks. So they could have one person with $35 million, or they could have a million people with $35. Bucks. <laughs> so they could somehow. So it's all the same. It's AUM, assets under management. So they might charge 100 BIPs to figure out the EPS on a BIPs on <laughs> something else. Let's see. But we haven't gotten to this. Is this a college week. course? <laughs> I... <clears throat> so we're heading down that route. We're trying to. Yeah. Have you been taking notes? We're trying to integrate been. some of these past uh, I'm five definitions pages in. that we've had. Five pages in. He is this going to be on the test? No. <laughs> this is just stuff. This is probably boring as hell to everybody, but this was truly the 10 most talked about things that people don't have a clue what they are. So I don't know if they wanted to know. They're going to learn them today, right? Yeah, they're learning them today. you might sit there and go, what am I listening to this for? Anyway, the AUM is um, could be related to on you know 75 basis points or three quarters of 1% could be a management fee or 100 basis points. Uh, one percent management fee on um, on an asset based portfolio. Mm. So if you got a hundred thousand dollars, somebody charges you one percent or a hundred bips, hundred basis points, it'll cost you a thousand dollars for them to manage a hundred thousand dollar account over the course of a year. So that's one way to incorporate both of those and understand exactly what you're getting and paying for. Interesting. NAV. It's not the Navy. NAV. Negative. Not allowed to vote. No. Oh. It's not. <laughs> no, it's net asset value. Damn. So net asset value is kind of sort of a liquidated value, but it's uh, assets that a company has minus their liabilities. So if you have um, a lot of real estate trusts um, will quote NAV, mutual funds will quote, quote NAV, but the easiest would be to look at a real estate trust. They have a billion dollars worth of real estate and they have a hundred million dollars of debt. So their net asset value, it basically be assets minus liabilities almost like we were talking before, you know, on the equity side, mm. uh, NAV for them to price that would be $900 million. That's the NAV. So it'd be their real estate minus the, the mortgages hmm. basically would be um, what how you calculate NAV. And that's, like I say, it's sort of a liquidated value. 
or it's the truest value of what that of what that property is worth. So if they give you an NAV, uh, sometimes you can buy mutual funds at NAV. You don't have a load. You don't have any other uh, costs added to it. And a lot of times that's what they'll use under an AUM model to charge you BIPs. <laughs> <In this thing. laughs> I should have a little more sinister laugh. <laughs> so as they go totally glassy eyed. This is, is this just, how John gets people to pay him $100 million? <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to bring this out at Halloween or something. <laughs> you guys got the fog machine. Anyway, uh, what's, what's the next one? I got to know one next of these. One. Oh, okay. IRR. It's not like pirate <laughs> stuff. It's R. Internal rate of return. Oh, boy. This is, I'm just going to really cut to this one because this is like, it's the way to calculate discounted cash flows and net present value and blah, blah, blah. You don't really care. It's just basically saying, if I buy this, what is it going to return me mm. as an asset? So my internal rate of return. It's kind of sort of like when they say a cap rate, you know, you're buying real estate and it's like, what's the capitalization rate? They'll say eight and a half percent. Well, that's basically if I put my money into this piece of real estate, what's it going to earn me on an annual basis? Well, my capitalization rate might be eight and a half percent. Mm. internal rate of return would be a similar type of a situation. If I put my money into this, what am I going to generate out of that? So gotcha. my internal rate of return yeah. might be 10% that I'm going to earn. I'm not going to get into discounted cash flows and, and net present values. That's a whole different thing. But That's a, it's next semester? No, <laughs> I ain't even going to do that. It's, <laughs> I don't deal with that stuff. Uh, DFM. No. De de dependent? From money. Oh, what? What no. is it? DFM? Dependent from money. No, it's not like you're a defendant <laughs> of money. What Are number we... is this? Two. This is the second most important one. We got well, one got other nap to Number one, I got to know. Oh, right. you don't even know this one? Nope. Oh, my God. Okay. Discretionary fund manager. I was so close. 99.9% .9 of what I do is non-discretionary. In other words, I have to call you and have your permission to do something. That's why when we manage it, we manage it according to a design and a rule. If I want to make a change, I'm going to call you and say, hey, I think this is a different way. And we're transferring you know, quite a few clients right now because where we're at in the market, we're doing some different strategies. But we got to contact that client. They got to sign off on that. With a discretionary fund manager, I could sell stock that you've wanted to keep. I could buy some other stuff that you hate. Um, I might be going a little overboard, but they don't have to call you. I don't have to call you. I'm just going to do it. And if you find out on the next statement 30 days later, well, that's fine too. Um, but I'm going to make changes as I see fit. And if I want to do them daily or weekly or whatever, uh, I want to sell something and take profits. Um, that's on, that's my discretion. You've given that choice to me to make that decision for you. And I don't have to call you on it. Does that happen a lot? Like uh, there's a lot of people that will end up allowing, you know, managers to do that. And hmm. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, you know, if you do it with anything, you know, we've got a few accounts that we may have something that, uh, does it automatically through, um, oh, uh, algorithms and mm -hmm. stuff. But it's still not 
you know, and we don't have to call you because we don't know when the algorithm is going to kick off anyway, but it's not me doing it. I, I just have a hard time letting somebody else just do whatever they feel like. I mean, even if I had discretion over something, I'd still probably call the client first and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. So I don't know why I'd have discretion because I'm going to call you anyway. Uh, it's just it's just hard for me to wrap my head around. But that's what a, a discretionary fund manager is. Yeah, they could they could churn it and do, do whatever work. they want. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it happens. I'm not saying everybody's doing it, but it happens. That's otherwise you wouldn't have anything on there. Quit looking at the damn paper. <laughs> Jesus, what a bunch of cheaters. Okay, number one, ETF. Give me something to go on. You don't have a clue what an ETF is? ET. That was that little monster. <laughs> and it was ET. Is oh, the no. TF trust fund? No. Tax fraud. No. <laughs> ETF. Why don't I know this? I as soon oh as he says God. it, I'm gonna know I've I've heard oh, it before. Jeez. I'm I'm like Go ahead. I need two new guys here. <laughs> oh, that hurts. We're approaching episode one hundred and they don't know what ETF is. ETF elect Exchange traded funds. I knew that. Some of them say electronically traded funds, but it's exchange traded funds. And that's what it was. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I gave them an out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, an ETF is kind of sort of modeled and built after a mutual fund. But unlike a mutual fund, a mutual fund only trades at the end of the day. Okay. So if during the day something happens, market crashes, you got to ride that sucker out till the end of the day. And then if you wanted to sell, you'd have to, you could sell during the day, but they're not going to make that trade until after the market closes. And, and, you know, if it's down, it's down, whatever. An ETF can trade like a stock. So it's got a basket of different stocks in it, like a mutual fund does, but you can buy it at nine o'clock and sell it at 915. You know, and well, you can't really do that because the market doesn't open until 9.30. But say, uh, okay, 9.31 I bought it and 9.45 I sold it, okay? But I can do that, you know, throughout the day. And uh, some people day trade ETFs, you know. Instead of a stock, they'll do day trade on that. But it is a, um, it's a basket and it could have 20 stocks. It could have 120 stocks. It just... And they can zero down into, could be gold miners. Uh, you could have certain tech stocks that are just uh, dealing with um, concentration in electric vehicles. Okay. I mean, you can drill down that hard. There are all kinds of them, and they're more and more coming out every day. So is like, this might be a dumb question, but like crypto is a, is that like its own form of like an ETF then? Because you can buy and trade that yeah but see it's not it's not a security okay that's the thing with the crypto and uh, you know that has another thing to it maybe we'll take it up in the next episode but um how some people where the market's at currently before the end of the year here um all the cryptos are going down gotcha you know and part of that is because the cryptos are not treated with capital gains and losses like securities are. And what's happening, some of the thoughts out there are that the administration 
in 2022 is looking to do away with some of these loopholes. And one of them would stop the cryptos from being able to sell at a loss and buy back in. On a security, if you do that, it's called a wash sale. And because if you, I sell something at a $10,000 loss, and if I turn around and buy that same stock back within 30 days, it's called a wash. In other words, I can't use that $10,000 loss against it. I'd have to wait till 31 days to buy that stock back, and it could have mm. shot back up or whatever for me to take that uh, loss. But in crypto, you can actually, and some of these guys are doing it, if they've lost 10, 15 million bucks in crypto, they're selling it, taking that loss. They got a $12 million loss. And if they've got some other gains on real estate or stock, currently they can take that loss against that. And then they could buy right back into their, their crypto. So they the could say that loss right is again uh, that loss wasn't on crypto, it was on real estate. Well, the loss was uh, generated from crypto, but they could take it against their gains on real estate or stocks mm. or whatever. Oh, where so they normally wouldn't be able to do that they, with a security. On a security, you couldn't. I had twelve million dollars, and then I turn around, I I take the twelve million dollar loss, and I want to buy that stock right back because I think it's going to pop back up. If I buy that within thirty days, I can't do it. It's a wash sale. So they're doing this, and they think they're going to get rid of that in 2022. Well, if they do, I think these guys are supposedly maneuvering around trying to take advantage. And, I mean, they could take millions of dollars of taxes off the table with that. So that's one of the things that I think is in there that's sort of contributing to this at the end of the year. And that's that's just bonus info. That wasn't one of the 10 other things. A number but, 11. <laughs> but, yeah, 11 Wait, and a half. That was – um. 50 bips. Oh, yeah. That was 0.5. But my <laughs> AUM was down by 12 million. ETF. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's WTF. Remember ah, that? So, yeah, well, taxes and what, um, I don't know if you had something planned to circle this all back or not, but I'm just curious. What out of all of these do you think is like the most important for people to know? Like if they're getting more financially savvy and... Mm, like what I, should they just know out of all? I mean, obviously they should know everything, but like there's one major takeaway from this list. Um, I, I think it would be, you know, the PL, the EPS, all that APRs are in there. I think as long as you know, if somebody says uh, we're going to charge you so many bips of your AUM, you want to know how you're right. being charged on that money. And then, you know, from a discretionary standpoint, make sure you understand what that means that they pretty much have, they have as much control as you would, but you know, they've got the trading platform and you don't. So you've got to call them to do something. And um, if you don't hear from them, they could still be doing trading, buying, selling, doing whatever in that. And um, you know, so you, you gave them discretion. So watch what you're doing. If anybody out there had any further questions on any of these items, glad you, how would they reach glad you? Glad you asked me that question. <laughs> Oh, you want me to call have Superman? Them me? Yeah, yeah. Superman. They, if they want to get in touch with you, if they're like, is "Hey, a, I still oh, don't know what a bip is." A bip. Well, I'm glad you asked. You can email me at jcindia at lifestagesadvisory.com. And remember, that contest is still going on, so we want to hear from you. 
because the top three oh, yeah. get a fifty dollar gift certificate. I think I forgot that at the front end, didn't I? That's I fine. was thinking of all that stuff. We'll anyway, it out. find a way. Well, if they didn't hang in there for now, they didn't know that they got. If the there's $50. a will, there's a way. That's well, right. Yeah. And your name's not Will, but this is the way we're going to go <laughs> out today. <laughs> anyway, thanks again. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode and get your comments and everything in. So you may be one of those top three winners. Thanks. Bye.